Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. And it's about the relationships that we have with the church, with God, and how that affects our lives. And it's really about who you are, where you fit in the church, and the uniqueness of that relationship. And that's quite a special thing. And it helps us, you know, really look as individuals and say, where do I fit? And what does that mean in my life? Well, I think I'll move this down a bit. I can get a bit of echo or something from down there. Is that think a bit better? Um, and hopefully that'll take us to a point that we actually find out something about the plan that God has for our lives. And you know, so far in the series, we, we've looked at this is a church, and it's all this is me, this is the body, this is the building, this is the crowd, this is our voice, and today this is the bride. And you almost threw me today, Ruth, because we wrote a change. <laughs> oh, that's different. That's not what I've done here. I caught it. So it's all right. So tonight, we're going to look at this is the disciples, this is me. Now. We all know who the disciples were. The twelve disciples. And that, you know. So, you think, well, yeah, that's the guy. That's the twelve guys. It was with Jesus and that's the disciples. So surely that's it. But I want to look in a bit more detail and say, find out a bit more about the disciples and about the relationship that they had with Jesus and about what they were really called to do. That's all right. So, to start that, let's look at Mark 1 and verse 16. And this was really the very start of the disciples. And it says this. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he also saw James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in boats mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Now, the thing that struck me about that was, you know, initially, it almost seemed like a, like a casual thing, you know, like Jesus is out a walk, effectively, by the sea. And, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, if I'm walking by the sea, it's a very much a casual thing for me. You know, it's like you're walking along, you're here in the ocean, you're taking in the sun. And actually, I often go to sea to be close to God. Yeah. You know, that often works for me. You know, I really want to hear God. The sea is a place that I can kind of shut out all the nonsense of the world and hear God. You know, but the thing is that, you know, Jesus is walking by the sea, but he sees these four guys. And he goes, I want these guys. So, and it doesn't strike me as a normal sort of, you know, if you're building a team, you don't think I'll go down to the sea and see who I can find. You know, it's, it's not really the way you do it, is it? It's like, but, but Jesus was, you no, know, he was out there, you know, walking along, and he sees these four men, and he sees something in them, and he calls them. He sees some qualities in them. And, you know, he doesn't sell them anything. He doesn't go, hey, Come and join me. I'll give you a really good package. I'll give you all the benefits, all the, you know, 
and that. He says, no, just follow me. Plain and simple. No frills, no incentives. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I'm sure these guys must have thought, fishers of men? What's he on about? I'm a fisherman. How can I be a fisher of men? And I'm sure, you know, and you have to think about the time of it as well. You know, in Galilee at that time, fishing would have been the industry. It would have been like the oil industry in Aberdeen. So these guys, although they were, you know, effectively doing a manual job, they were probably at the top of their game. They were earning a good living, you know, doing well. And And this man walked along and said, hey, leave your good job and come and follow me. And I'll tell you something, that would have taken guts to do that. That wouldn't have been an easy call, you know, to give up your, your paid job, you've got commitments. I mean, you know, these guys were working to earn a living, you know, working just to catch fish for the fun of it, you know. It was a business, it was to earn a living. And they walked away, so, so they must have really seen something, you know. They must have been in awe of what they saw in Jesus to be able to do that. They must have thought, wait a minute. Or something there, and they made a complete U-turn, and they started a new life with Jesus. And I think they recognised it as a God opportunity. See, you know, they could have said, "Hey, you know, we're busy, we're fishing, and we're doing fine," but no, they seized the moment and stepped into their destiny. And you know, sometimes we wait for what might happen. We, we get so busy our lives and, we, and sometimes we miss the God opportunity that comes along I mean Ruth said this morning we need to be ready because God often takes us by surprise you know and I mean last week I sh- shared about testimony about my new job and I had kind of forgotten about that particular job to be quite honest you know I kind of thought well I'd had the chat and it, you know it was two months ago it'd gone by but God often takes us by surprise and at that moment I was sort of standing at a bus stop and I got an email going do you want to come to Dubai for a chat you know I'm going totally forgotten about it you know that's a God thing you know it's a, it's a God opportunity and God often does that he often goes hey look you've maybe forgotten about this or you maybe don't know what's going on but actually I've got a plan I've got a purpose and you know the question is when Jesus asks you are you ready for that God opportunity when he comes along and says, hey you, well, come with me, I've got this for you. So, what actually happens with these disciples? Let's look at Mark 3, and verse 13. And it says this, He went up to the mountain, and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. And it goes on to give all their names and, and stuff. So, But he called together 12 men. And the thing that really struck me was it says that he himself wanted. This was not random. This wasn't like I need a team of guys. I'll just go and see who I can get. He chose these 12 guys yeah. Yeah? yeah it was very very specific he had a role that he needed to fulfill he had and he needed people to serve with him 
Um, and he wanted to make sure that he had the right people around him. And you know, it's the same for us, you know, when we're serving God, we need to know that we've got the right people around us. When you're, whatever role you're serving in in the church, you need to know you've got the right people around about you. And that. Um, like-minded people with the same vision, the same goals, the same heart that you have. That's really, really important. Um, and everything that this, that portion of scripture does is it confirms the fact that they complied. They said, when, he, when Jesus called them, they just came. Yeah. So, let's get my place here. <clears throat> and again, it's just like the first four, really. We didn't question Jesus. They just said, yeah, we're coming. It was, they stepped up in obedience, ready to serve for whatever that might have. And as I said earlier, when we receive a call from God, when we get that God moment, we need to respond in a positive manner. That's so important. So, Jesus, what happened, actually happens here? Well, the first thing he does is he, he confirms their appointment. He, he says, you know, he, and he, in doing that, he empowers them. And that he, he actually says, you know, you're my guys, and I empower you. But to do what? And it says, that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out demons. Now, that's quite a task. Yeah? It's like one thing saying, come and follow me. But it's another thing saying, come and follow me, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. That is a different thing. And to do that, without the empowerment of God, would be impossible. I mean, you know, think of it like this. He goes, I want you to come with me, guys. The job is disciple of Jesus. The job description is preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. That is the job description. But the thing is, this is the disciples. This is me. This is what it is. Yeah? And that might seem daunting, but the thing is, they're empowered. And that's made really, really clear here. They're empowered by Jesus to do this. And without that, it would be useless. Absolutely useless. I mean, let's be honest. You know, you could probably stand up on a stage and give a message from your own strength. You could probably do that, I think. You know, some better than others, but you, you could do it. But an empowered message is a better message. But as for healing and casting out demons, I'd like to see someone do that for the power of God. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. So, you know, the thing that it confirms here, disciples are chosen, appointed, and empowered. Amen. And if you remember nothing else tonight, just remember that. A disciple of Jesus is chosen, appointed, and empowered. That is the important thing to remember, yeah? So, let's move on and see. Uh, see I'm trying to discover just a bit about these disciples. So, let's go to Mark 6, 7. And this is looking at the sending out of the guys now. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and give them power over unclean spirits. Now, I thought that was interesting that he sent them out two by two. So having chosen them, empowered them, he said, right, okay, out you go. 
you've got a job to do, get out there. But he didn't send them out just on the way, put them out two by two. And it, you know, this whole series is about, you know, this is me, and as I said at the start, it's how we fit into the church family, how we fit into the in our Christian lives. And we are part of a church family. We're not here on our own. And Jesus sends the disciples out in twos. He, he puts in a support structure right away. He makes sure that nobody is out there on a limb on their own. That he goes, well, you and you, you go. You and you, you go. And I bet he complimented each other. Because, you know, we've, we've all got strengths and weaknesses. We've all got things we do better than some things and that. And, he, and together, that makes a whole. And that's how we... That's the illustration of how we should operate. You know, as the disciples did. You know, together. Empowered together and serving together. And that, yeah? I mean, it's, it, I guess it's, it's how we, we best function. Now, I'm going to look at an example of it, um, just to see that it, it did actually work. Um, so in Mark 6, in verse 12 to 13, here we are going out now. So they went out, and preached that people should repent and they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them so you know we've gone from being chosen, called empowered to actually out there doing the job and see the disciples went out and actually did what Jesus asked them to do and that's the, the thing you know as I said earlier when, when God calls you are you going to go and do what he calls you to do? And that's that's the call. That is, you know, all about being disciples. Actually saying, yeah, I hear you. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go do this. Um, and you do it as per the job description, as per the way that Jesus says, "This is what I want you to do. This is what I want." You know, the, the advert, you know, it says it, it's it does exactly what it says in the tin. Well, you know, the power of God does exactly what it says in the tin. And when he imparts that to us, we're able to do exactly that. So he doesn't give us, he doesn't empower us just for the fun of it. You know, he does empower us so that we can preach the gospel. As Jim said, you know, it actually comes surprisingly naturally actually once you open your mouth and start speaking. Because you're empowered to do it. You know? You're actually empowered. And, that, and you know, we, we tend to forget that. We tend to think, you know, I always just tend to think, oh yeah, that was those 12 that's not me, that's those 12. You know, I'm not one of them. But are we? Are we? Are we disciples? Luke 14, let's look at that. Luke 14, 25 and 13. Sorry, 25 to 33. It's a slightly longer bit, but I'll read it through. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children brothers and sisters yes, and his own life also he cannot be my disciple ouch and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it lest after he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish all who will see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, 
Well, the other is still a great way off. He sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. See, I don't know if you... But if somebody asks, for example, somebody says, well, what were you doing on Sunday? You might say, I'm at church. And you go, okay, that's fine. Well, I'm actually a Christian. And that's good. But do you ever say... I'm a disciple of Jesus. Hey, you don't. I know I don't. I often say I'm a Christian, but do I actually say I'm a disciple of Jesus? That's a different stand. It's actually cooler, to be honest. <laughs> Way cooler. But, you know, it's a harder one, isn't it? Much harder, because it actually sounds a bit out there. You know? It actually sounds like it's a bit extreme. You know? But the thing is, it's what we're called to. See, Jesus here, he was talking to the crowd, the great multitudes that went with him. So he wasn't talking to the twelve anymore. He was talking to the twelve, to the crowd. And we are the crowd. And he's outlining the cost and the seriousness that goes with being a disciple. And he's illustrating the cost that might be involved and some of the pictures are quite serious I mean verse 33 um, so likewise whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple it's all about what comes first in your life who comes first in your life Jesus uses very strong illustrations you know he cites family relationships as potentially getting in the way and be careful when you start on this journey to make sure you know what you're going into you know I mean, literally, will we literally hate our families? I don't know. I don't think so, you know? Right? But I think what he's saying is, be prepared to put me first. And I bet there's people here tonight that have had to stand and put Jesus before a family and say, look, actually, I can't do that because, or I believe this because, and there will have been division in families. I think Jesus' warning is here that that can be the case. You know, say, and we have to go with that knowledge of saying, you know, from here on in, number one in my life is Jesus. Yeah? That's what we step into. It's a journey, but we have to, be able to take the cost. It's, it's about being a follower, as I said. And there's a pretty clear job description for us. And that's what we're called to do as disciples. I'm going to move on to the closing section now. Um, but what we really want to look at is what Jesus put in place while he's on earth. The structure and the purpose we've looked into. We've looked at a role of a disciple. But there's a reason for all that. And the reason he did that was so that the work would go on. It wasn't just about the twelve, so as I keep saying. It's more than that. He wanted it to go on when he departed from earth. He wanted to make sure that the gospel be preached in power in the years ahead. And we see this in Matthew 28 and from verse 16. This is the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples, because there was one missing by then, prizes for anybody can say his name. So the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to a mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to him, saying, All authority 
has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, Jesus appears to the remaining 11 disciples. And some of them fell on their knees in worship, but some had some doubt as well, to be fair. And I guess, understandably, you know, they saw Jesus be crucified and looking all, you know, there was a bit of doubt. But Jesus spoke to them, and he, what he does is, he reaffirms the call of the disciple. You know, he says, and he commissions them to go out into the world and make more disciples. And so it was no longer, from that point, restricted to the twelve. It was commissioned to go and make more disciples. And he didn't say, go make believers. He said, make disciples. See, there's a snowball effect here. Um, And teach one to reach one, to teach another, to reach one, to teach one, to reach another, to teach one, to reach one, to teach another. And it just goes on and on and on. And it grows. And the church grows by that. And that is making disciples. And that is what we're called to do. And that is our commission today. And it's all done through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 11, from verse 19, we see this working. It says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he presented him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And that's what I said earlier. You know, like we all we often say we're Christians. But the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. You know, our call tonight is to be disciples. This is our calling. This is the disciples. This is me. My question to you is, is it you? Is it you? Are you ready to do that? I mean, it's stepping up because it's living the way that Jesus laid out in the calling for our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.